0: This episode is brought to you by Audible. To get a free trial of Audible, go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash third space. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash third space. One fantastic thing about Audible is that they have two audiobooks from Stacey Abrams. I just finished um, her 2018 book, Lead from the Outside, How to Build Your Future and Make Real Change. This is a really fantastic and quick read or listen. Um, She kind of goes into really practical uh, steps on how to confront some of the issues that come up for uh, working people and how you navigate your own ambition, through a really kind of treacherous uh, territory. I highly, 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 highly recommend Lead from the Outside. Then I started her other book, Our Time Is Now, Power, Purpose, and the Fight for a Fair America. Uh, She narrates both of the books, so it really feels intimate, feels like you're in the room with her. I highly recommend um, supporting her fantastic work and, 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 Uh, hearing her uh, read her words. So again, for the free trial, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash third space to get one free audio book. If you are a Amazon Prime member, you will get uh, a second credit for another book. So you can get both of her books for free. Let's begin the show. Thank you all for joining us this week. My name is Fai Zafara, and this is the Third Space Podcast. Uh, For the new listeners, the Third Space Podcast is is really a podcast that goes beyond the binary. Left, right, uh, gay, straight, black, white, uh, and kind of breaks up that binary to, to create a kind of third space. We have conversations with interesting people and I I hope, um, you know, through these conversations, you can learn a little bit about the guests, but also get closer to a deeper understanding, uh, of yourself and the world around you. Um, this is such a historic week with epic voter turnout. We ousted, um, president trump <laughs> and elected um, kamala harris and and joe biden and honestly as a as a black muslim american immigrant i i didn't realize how much i was holding in my body and i was like ODing on on cnn and live streaming 24-7 knowing that it was completely unhealthy, but so deep in it. And when I heard Wolf Blitzer say that they could safely project that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were going to be the next president and vice president-elect, I cried like a baby, you know. And I didn't cry because I, you know, I, I all of a sudden think that uh, homophobia and racism and misogyny was going to go away in the united states and and that it wasn't still going to be difficult for working class people, you know um, but there's a kind of psychic trauma that you endure with with the symbol of of Trump and then all of his policies and and we've all kind of asked ourselves this question, I'm sure, like what would we have done if if um, if we were in Germany during the rise of of you know um, Adolf Hitler and 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 concentration camps, would would we be you know part of the public that just kind of ignored what was happening, or justified it in some way, or resisted? And we all would like to think that we would be part of the resistance, right? Um, but there is. There's a kind of level of disgust one has with themselves, and 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 also just a, a disdain for the kind of society that would allow for something like this to happen. But when we separate hundreds and hundreds of children from their parents on the border, people seeking a a better life, fleeing persecution um, in their home countries. And then when there are, you know, hundreds of reports that those children are molested and harmed or in really unlivable conditions, it it breaks something, you know, it breaks something in you and you feel so helpless. I know I felt very helpless. Everything from the Muslim ban to the rhetoric um, that really... Exposed what we already knew about um, the the underbelly of of racism and white supremacy in the United States, but when you have someone in that position of power that overtly, uh, you know, speaks to the worst parts of our society and and dog whistles, um, and you have. You know tragedy after tragedy uh, it's it just seems like too much. and I think all of us have been collectively holding our breaths and trying to get through this global pandemic and and take care of our families or friends, or take care of ourselves and and try to keep you know the lights on and, and food on the table. And I think this victory over the weekend, was a kind of relief that I honestly didn't realize how deeply I needed and how visceral of a reaction I would have. Um, yeah. I, I want to take an opportunity to, to talk about Stacey Abrams. She, th- there's been a lot of uh, talk about her, you know, uh, she, lost her election um, in 2018. Many people um, say that she unfairly lost that election because of voter suppression. Um, About 100,000 ballots in Georgia were invalidated for stupid things like uh, hyphens missing in names or signatures not matching when, you know, it's scientific knowledge that uh, you grow like in every year that you get older, your signature changes a little bit. So, um, and and most of these uh, invalidated um, ballots and registrations were were from black voters. And um, I feel like she just reminded me something about a pain that I had, you know, that I that I hadn't fully acknowledged when I began. Uh, Third Space Media, with the help of many really fantastic people. I was pitching to every venture capitalist that would l- listen to me. I would get into really prestigious rooms, uh, folks that invested in Uber and Airbnb, and they were the it folks, you know. But I was oftentimes the only woman of color, and oftentimes the only woman in the room, and trying to, you know, pitch. Hat in hand uh, with an idea of growing this media company i 'm going to skip through the details, but there there were three times where I got super super close where uh, those v c firms would say to me like Time to hire a lawyer we're going to send you the investment and look over it, look at the term sheet and and let's go you know so so you go from you know, being faced with the 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 statistics around uh, a black female founder and, and how little resources you get, uh, women typically get like under three percent of VC uh, venture capitalist money. Uh, black women, it's like zero like four or five or something like that. You know, it's 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 it's, it's um it's dismal. And and I I I was. Under this kind of delusion that I was going to be the exception. You know, I had this like deep blind faith that I was going to be the exception. So whenever I got really close, I I thought, yes, this is it. You know, all the people that put so much sweat equity into this dream that I had, I could finally give them a salary. They could finally leave their jobs. They could finally not be working, you know, 80 hours a week with their day jobs and then working on, on, on my startup. And, um, and every single time we, we, we fell short, they would pull the deal, or, uh, you know, they, they looked at other companies. And, um, and we weren't perfect, but we did a lot, really well. And so after that process, I was really, I was, I found myself in the fetal position in bed, you know, really just kind of lamenting and crying about about how difficult this was, you know, and how impossible it felt. And and I wasn't crying for myself, you know, I, I knew that I I could I could move on. You know, obviously I was upset for all the people that invested so much, you know, and and I wanted to make good on a promise and I wanted to employ the people that I believed in, that oftentimes don't get these kinds of opportunities. Um, But it was also, I just kept thinking about the hundreds of thousands of women of color out there with brilliant ideas that get snuffed because of this white, white supremacist system that doesn't value who they are and their ideas that they have to justify the validity of who they are, that they have to prove a kind of trustworthiness that, that a bro walking into a room, it's just not an obstacle that they have to climb. I'm saying all of this to say the reason why I, I really love and honor and respect the work of Stacey Abrams is because she lost the election and she didn't lose lose the election. It was stolen from her um, by uh, someone that that cheated, you know, by a system that rewards uh, uh, a cheater, you know. And and for me, that would have been it. That would have been game over. I would have been um, in bed <laughs> in the fetal position, eating ice cream, chalking the deuces, and saying, "No, that's that's it. You know, I'm, I'm finished." And for her to take that, all of that pain, and I'm sure there was also lots of love, you know, traveling throughout Georgia and hearing all the stories of people that really came out to support her. I'm sure she was filled with all of that love and that responsibility. But for her then to start an organization called Fair Fight, you can go to the website and actually donate to this uh, organization. Um, But for her to start this organization, register 800,000 voters and then help uh, flip the state of Georgia to the Democrats. Despite the fact that she experienced a tremendous loss, knowing that she's a capable, ambitious uh, woman and having to endure a kind of trauma and still persist and still fight and still provide a victory for all of us. It just left me so fucking energized. I just felt so 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 energized. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I know that for Stacey Abrams, uh, she sees herself in the White House. She's an ambitious person who is whip smart and intuitive and and resourceful. And she sees herself in the White House. So I hope that, that uh, we get to see her in a prominent cabinet position, uh, maybe attorney general, and that that is a path to, to the White House for her. Um, I actually got to meet. Uh, Stacey Abrams a few years ago as she was running for governor I was directing something um, and she was being interviewed and I had a crew with me a film crew and everyone in my film crew were were black mostly women and there were queer folks and she came up to me afterwards and she said to me um I've been doing this for a really long time. I've been interviewed by many, many people, but I've never seen a black woman at the helm with a crew that looks like me, you know? And that's all I'd been working towards, you know, to, to make sure that we have representation behind the camera as well. And for her to acknowledge that and to see that, it was just so powerful. So, anyways, boohoo, I'm such a baby. <laughs> um, anyways, so I am. Um, this episode is not only dedicated to the overall victory, but it's also dedicated to the Stacey Abrams of the world and Stacey Abrams in particular. So, we began the episode with our Audible sponsor, but I want us to show up for the people that show up for us, you know? So go to her website, Fair Fight, and donate some money. There is obviously um, run-up elections that are happening in January for the two vacant uh, Senate seats and i think that being able to donate anything that you can in this really difficult time is really wonderful also to 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 learn more about this phenomenal woman and and uh listen to her books i've really really enjoyed hearing her voice and 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 getting some of just the gems that she has to offer so with that said God bless you all i I really hope that this is a cathartic week. I hope that um, it we can sit in the joy and then roll up our sleeves and and get to work and and keep people accountable. So I'm really excited to introduce our next guest. Um, she is a phenomenal woman as well. She's a digital storyteller, filmmaker, and all-around funny girl. Uh, her name is Evelyn from the internet. And if you are familiar with her, uh, there's probably no other introduction that you need. But for those that aren't, she is a digital storyteller that's based in Austin, Texas. She... um she started her YouTube channel back in 2008 and now has over 18 million views and, and close to half a million subscribers. And she does really great content, like really, really beautiful content. And I think her, her, her big claim to fame is when she reviewed Beyonce's Lemonade album. And then Beyonce actually put the review in her in her, um, formation, uh, world tour. So, um, if you haven't seen her review on the Beyonce lemonade album, I highly recommend it, but she's just got tons and tons of really beautiful content. She recently received a grant from Google to support, um, the michelle obama initiative for global girls education she is funny smart and um i love to to find out from uh black folks that live in texas what it's really like to be in texas and to be in austin so we kind of get into all of that i hope you enjoy my conversation with evelyn Um, and, and here it is Hello, Evelyn. I am—I'm your internet cousin, okay? And I guess a lot hey of people head. feel. <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> I guess a lot of people feel like they know you and they're like your their cousin or BFF, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like that. Um, thank you so much for being um, a part of the podcast. I'm so excited about our conversation. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing okay. Enough. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. <laughs>
0: Um, Why well, just okay enough? Um, I guess there's a lot going on, obviously. But what yeah. what is what's the what's the most pressing thing going on for you right now?
1: I mean, I feel like it's basically January, and so we should <laughs> all just stop doing things. Like I'm still doing things, and I'm like, is it not 2021? Like the year's <laughs> over. Like call it it. <laughs> So I'm just like, I've been in my office all day, like not really doing anything, mm. like staring at blank Google Docs. I mean, I checked my email, I did my budget, but like besides that, I, you know, I'm just like, it, it's, it's November, basically, it's basically <laughs> <Exactly>. January.
0: <laughs> well, happy new year. Um
1: <laughs> <Happy> new year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's this this year has been one royal clusterfuck and I remember at the end of 2019 how everyone was like, "Ah, 2019 sucked." Like <laughs> <laughs>
1: bullish. We were absolutely bullish. <laughs> 2020 vision, you know, like <laughs> just and then
0: Armageddon. It just yeah. was so so bad. Um so where are you in the world right now?
1: I am in Austin, Texas,
0: and I'm I'm always so um, curious to find out when, like when I'm when I'm speaking to like black folks and their families end up in different parts of the U.S. other than like the coastal places. Like, how yeah. did we get there? Uh, were you raised in Austin?
1: No, so I was I was born in Random. <laughs> so my early childhood was like in the Midwest. Um, but I don't remember any of it because I went to school in Louisiana. Um, so ran again, random, just went to Louisiana. That's where I went to school. Um, lived there until in Lafayette, Louisiana until I was about 11 or 12. And then we moved to Texas. We moved to like the Fort Worth, the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh, when I was in like seventh grade. So that's where my parents are still located. Um, And then I moved to Austin in college. And this is where I've been kind of ever since.
0: And what's your experience of Austin? I, I, you know, I think the, the common understanding is that it's like a, it's a liberal kind of bubble within Ah. a a sea of (laughs) rent.
1: Is that true? (laughs) (laughs) That's me laughing into the crisp October air. Um, Austin is a- uh, It's January. (laughs) Right, into the crisp January air. Um, Austin is a fascinating little place in that I feel, uh, how do I say this? Austin has great marketing. Like their marketing team is fantastic. Everyone has their bachelorette party over here. Um, I see them downtown all the time. I see all of them. Um, but when it comes to actually living here, it's not really any any uh, better or different than any particular other Texas town. Mm -hmm. Austin is one of those places where there um, are more Black Lives Matter signs in the front yard than people, (laughs) (laughs) than Black people. (laughs) Um, It's just one of those places where, like, you know, people say, like, oh, my gosh, I love Black people. I have one Black friend. Like, I don't even know how many people have one Black friend. That's how. (laughs) So... We found ourselves, we found each other in like little pockets of community, but um, yeah. And then there's a, the whole uh, Native Austinite Black community, and they mm. are kind of like cut from a different cloth. They they don't all the way, you know, mess with us uh, transplants,
0: <laughs> right? Are you a little too hippy dippy liberal for them, or
1: uh, we might be? I mean, it, I feel like it sometimes it's an economic thing. Um, Mm -hmm. if you transplant, even if you are a black transplant in Austin, you might have come here because of college. Um, Mm -hmm. so that kind of places you in a different situation. You might've come here for a better job, which might've Mm -hmm. been a tech job or a, you know, a government job. So that might place you in a different situation. So, um, yeah. And we come from these other places with a large black population. So when we come to Austin, we're like, what's going on? Why are there no black people and the existing black right. people are like, oh, right here, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> so
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I, um, I, I think there's just been so much talk about Austin and Texas in general. I think, uh, because of COVID-19, mm-hmm. people have been kind of reassessing the value of living in these like highly populated, expensive cities where now because of COVID, they're having to work remotely. And so like, you know, do I really want to live in New York or do I really want to live in San Francisco or Los Angeles or whatever when I can be somewhere else and get more real estate and and. You know, and and, um, and even huge like media giants like Joe Rogan moving to Austin. Like, right. I'm curious what what the impact have you seen? A wave of people kind of moving to Austin, um, or, or or any kind of Joe Rogan effect to Austin <laughs> yet?
1: Yeah, I mean it's the it's the bachelorette party effect. <laughs> yeah, it's um yeah. you know people coming here and and thinking that. Um, well, it's not Texas, right? But it is. It is, <laughs> it is Texas. <laughs> it is still Texas. And so um, it's not even that, it's not that affordable. <laughs> it's not that affordable. Right. Um, right. You might get, um, like when I think about buying a house, I would have to go back home to Fort Worth to really uh, afford anything that makes sense. Because here, it's super expensive. It's super expensive. Um, And it's like, it's it's a lot of gentrification. It's a lot of displacement of Mm. of people. Um, And it's just, it's so ironic. I mean, it's the pattern of gentrification. It's like people are attracted to that certain something. And so then they come here and all the people who create that certain something can't afford to live here. So then they leave. So now every place is boring and the same. So, yeah, I don't know, especially with um, COVID-19 really impacting artists and musicians and venues. and, And so everything that people think Austin is about, you know, if musicians can't afford to live here, then what's the, what's. What's
0: the point? <laughs> right, right. So yeah, it's an interesting yeah.
1: little pocket of uh, of space to observe and be in.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm certain that as a, even as a black woman that is an artist. I mean, it's it's a pretty um, interesting place to be in right now. Uh, so you went to college at the University of Texas in Austin. Yes. And um and and then you graduated with what degree?
1: Journalism, um concentration in magazine for whatever reason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and then you decided to stay in Austin. Um I'm I'm curious about how you got into the world of digital storytelling and filmmaking and comedy and on and on and on. Um, Was it something that happened while you were in college or something that you discovered once you graduated?
1: Um, So it's something that I've always done. I've been, I was that kid who would um, dub cassette tapes. I was the kid who would record videos on like a camcorder or digital camera and burn it onto a DVD. Um, and then as video publishing on the internet became more and more popular, I was like, okay, let me just dump my videos on this website called youtube.com. Um, that was like in 2008. So I was probably like a freshman in college and, um, yeah, so your something-
0: first videos that you've uploaded?
1: Oh, no idea. They are, they are long gone. I have no idea what I was talking about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was already making videos and YouTube was just another place for me to put them. Um And I didn't even realize that it was something that I could share with other people. It was like, Oh, here's this cool website that allows you to upload. It gives you this really convenient link. You can give the link to the person you actually made the video for. (laughs) Right. And then you can kind of keep pushing. And then over time, especially as I began my journalism program, um, I knew that the economy was crappy. So Um, This was at a time when, and it goes in waves, but it was at a time when reporters were like, uh, photographers were getting fired. And Mm -hmm. the the reporter would have to do the photographer's job on top of their job writing. Um, So that's when I was like, okay, well, I might as well hone in on this skill of like making videos and videography so that if you know when I'm trying to get a job after college I'm not just a writer like I can run and gun as they say I can they can give me the equipment and I can like kind of do my own news package on my own um so that's when I started uh like I taught myself how to edit. I taught myself how to use wow. my cameras at the time. And on the side, I was just posting videos on YouTube because that's what I honestly have always done. So it's very interesting for people to perceive it as like new or different when it's something that I've been doing since forever.
0: Well, and I think I think uh, the way you put it is really interesting. Just seeing YouTube as as a platform where you could kind of just hold your content there, you know, and and as a utility and then kind of you evolving with with the platform as as well. Um so I you know I followed your um illustrious career and and (laughs) don't laugh. And (laughs) I um I just one thing that I've always been really drawn to, I mean beyond the fact that it's like like you know just insanely hilarious and like to the point where you're doubling over dying. Um, beyond the fact that it's super, super funny, I found that everything that you do is like so vulnerable and so honest. And, and I wonder like, did you ever have any like reservations or, 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 uh, or any fear about being so like transparent about where you are and how you're feeling. Um, I think that's probably why you're so funny because even in the, even in the humor, there's so much honesty that is so, so relatable. Uh, Yeah. And I'm curious if that ever felt like, like, am I like, did it ever feel awkward to do that? Did it ever feel like you were putting yourself out there or does it does it feel completely natural for you to be so transparent?
1: It feels completely natural to me. Um, I will say that I try and uh, I try and push back a little bit because I'm not the only one who uses social media. so like <laughs> everyone everyone is oversharing. It's just that for maybe whatever reason, people value my version of oversharing more than others. <laughs> but like, by way of being millennials, this is a thing that we do kind of effortlessly. Um, maybe Gen Z even more. I don't know what they'd be doing. But, um, but yeah, so it comes naturally to me. And, but I think it comes natural to a lot of us. It's like that is what the, our society is now. Um, if you look on like your Facebook, yuck, I don't know why you would go back (laughs) on Facebook, but if you look on your Facebook, like someone probably posted a picture of their new car. Um, Mm -hmm. and while it's not like showing the vulnerabilities of like working towards something, it is a version of sharing and maybe even oversharing. So it comes naturally to me. And also I think I'm really good at <laughs> I'm telling all my secrets now I'm really mm-hmm. good at making it seem like I've told you everything when really I've just told you what I figured out so far mm. um, and so I don't know if that comes across with my like performance of my words I don't really know what it is but I there's there are so many things that I do not share um, right
0: right. Right.
1: And so it's always interesting to be like, oh, people think I'd be sharing. Wow, that's like a fourth of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and I think I think it's even. I mean, even in your 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 hugely successful um, most notable stuff, like like your lemonade review. Even in that, like again, so insanely funny, but it's like. I I think this is what, what good comedy is actually like just someone being able to articulate that thing that you feel and, and put words and, and, and and then it, then it makes you feel like you're less alone and someone out there sees you because they are able to have like, yeah, just like really clearly express um, their, their feeling and and their point of view. Um, So when did you see that that this was going to be like a viable career for you where, you know, you're you're creating content on YouTube um, and 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 think like you're starting to get noticed. People are starting to see some of your work and and it and it feels like, well, wait, there's something here and maybe this is like a viable career path for me.
1: Uh, it remains to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> it remains to be seen whether it's a viable career path. Wait,
0: can we talk about this? Can we talk about this because <laughs> yeah. I I um I feel the same way. You know, I feel there's so many times where people project um a, a level of like composure and like, <laughs> you know, that that I just don't I don't I don't see within myself. But I have to say that when you are pursuing something that maybe is like an unconventional path. And you do have a little bit of success, but there's so much uncertainty, lots of feast and famine, and then a lot of famine. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You, you, for me, at least I, I have like this, like trauma around it all, you know? Mm -hmm. And and you you're constantly feeling like wait am i am i there am I, like what am i what am i doing you know and mm-hmm. i wonder with someone like yourself that i i see as wildly successful do you feel that way too like do you feel like you're oftentimes thinking like what the fuck am i doing right now
1: you know <laughs> um yeah i don't know what i'm doing i will say that um, <laughs> there are <laughs> It's so complicated because um, growing up and even in college, I I was told that I could do anything I wanted to do. Like I could become anything I wanted to become, which is great, but it's also like, what? (laughs) So I think I have all these ideas of what things should be. And so it's difficult to recognize where I'm at. And so, especially because, like, I am by myself making these videos. Like, it's not. I still don't perceive myself to be doing something that someone doesn't have access to. You know, like if what you mean by that, like if you can comment on my video, that means you have internet, right? <laughs> um, it means. I would hope it means you have a wall available to you that you can maybe sit in front of and you know, you can, you can record videos too. I'm not, I'm just a girl (laughs) making uploading a video to youtube.com. And there's a lot of things that I want to do out, not outside of that, but through that, that I haven't done yet.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I I think, I think it's really important to say that like something that seems really fluid for you, like I got an internet connection, I've got a phone or I've got a (laughs) camera whatever, and I'm going to record. I mean, it seems really like simple, you know, but for so many people it's like they, they, they have a, an idea or something that they've been kind of like sitting with for so long that they'll never take the first few steps to do it, and so I, I think it does take like a kind of courage to be able to walk into those things, even even if they seem really kind of, I don't know. It seems like like since every anyone can do it, it should be something that's like not that big of a deal. But the truth of the matter is, is like yeah. There's a lot of people that can like, you know, diet and get a six pack. Like all they have to do is like not eat and like, you know, and I just don't see a lot of people doing that because it's a lot of, it's a lot of work and it's, and it's discipline. It takes like a a, a weird sense of believing in yourself and, and, and having the vision, you know, without having any evidence in front of you of things coming to fruition. I mean, it just, it's a lot, it's
1: a lot. Yeah, I mean, now that you mention it, I I mean, I do realize that maybe, uh, you know, it's because I'm a Leo, so I want to see my face on camera. (laughs) Um, There is a performance aspect to it that comes naturally to me. Um, And since I've always been that girl, I've been the kid playing dress up. Running through the house like, oh yeah, I'm putting on a play. Like, please sit down for get your snacks ready. Like that was always me. Um, but I'm like, yeah, it is easy for me to be like anybody can do it. But <laughs> for me, it is like a perfor- the performance aspect that, and I and I'm someone who talks to themselves heavily so <laughs> when people are like how do you figure out what to say in the video it's like because i'm talking to myself 100 of the time <laughs> uh yeah i
0: i um I was just like looking through a bunch of your videos and i mean even like your like chip reviews <laughs> are <so laughs> to smack your mouth like <laughs> It, it's, it, they're all just so, so good. Anyways. So, uh, you know, you, you were, you were mentioning about like, uh, beyond YouTube, What does that world beyond YouTube look like for you? Um, do you have like, you know, that just kind of wild dreams about, uh, where, where digital storytelling or performance or comedy, where that could take you?
1: Yeah. Um, I would love to be part of the whole TV world Um, Mm. screenwriting or uh, being otherwise involved in um, narrative work like that, Um, creating characters that people that kind of become part of cultural references. I would love to like create a character that people reference for the forever, you know? Yeah, those are things that I definitely dream of. I mean, I even would love to be part of a team that makes a cartoon of some sort, you know, Uh, just other ways of telling stories. Because uh, a lot of us are on YouTube because that's what we have access to. Um, And it's easier to, like, make things for yourself and find people on your own than it is to try and infiltrate an industry that is purposefully kind of opaque. So, yeah. uh, yeah.
0: Do you, do you feel like there's a creative community that you can plug into in Austin? Uh, You know, a lot of people, especially in in your particular world feel like they have to move to Los Angeles or New York to, Mm -hmm. to be able to have access to that world. Um, And in the meantime, while they're in those places, they connect with other, Creative spirits that you know that, that then they get to kind of collaborate and 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 show up for each other's projects and really try to make something. Um, do you do you feel like you have access to that in in Austin?
1: Um, not as much. It's definitely been like a like a hustle for all of us to find each other, um, mm. and I think a big part of it is um, we you can't wait for someone to be into the exact same thing as you. So whereas I perceive, because it's all perception, I perceive, you know, you throw a stick in LA and someone can do the exact same thing as um. you. Whereas here it's like, no, like I have friends who are set designers, performers, um, stand up comedians. Like maybe not everyone has a YouTube channel. You know, like I don't know many people with a YouTube channel that I can talk to face-to-face Mm. Um, maybe like two people, Um, but there are other types of creatives. And when we, like musicians, rappers, music video directors, so like talking to them, even though we we don't do the exact same things, um, we're still able to collaborate and find a sense of community. So it's not as, um, it's definitely a small circle of us, and it's kind of slow going, but it does exist. It's just kind of hard to find. Right.
0: And and how has COVID kind of impacted your your work or, or has it at all impacted what you do?
1: Oh, it hasn't really impacted what I do because I'm in the house all the time anyway. <laughs> um, but it kind of did... Take away my... Because, you know, 2020 was our year, right? And in 2020, I was going to collaborate a lot more. Mm. I was going to, like go to these places and meet up with these people and, you know, we're going to create things together stay in another city for a couple weeks. So they can come here. You know, I was going to right. be around, I planned on being around a lot more people. Um, mm. and then COVID said yeah, you thought, so <laughs> uh, it's really figuring out how that's going to look in the future. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what's i guess since the beginning of this pandemic i feel like you know the the beginning was like you know learn a new language like bread <laughs> and like you know yeah. um and now everybody's like just bitch, just survive just breathe like if you can make it you know but i'm 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 curious if this time has has led to like more creativity or, or, or more, more thoughts, or if it's been like, you know, a time where just a lot of shit comes up because there's a lot of stillness and you're at home. And even though you're used to being at home, there's a difference from like choosing to be at home (laughs) and like, like, you know, being forced to be at home, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, no, no creativity. (laughs) Um, None of that. Uh, it, it really has been a year of kind of like hamster wheeling it and just like never really stopping. Um, so that kind of <laughs> created the energy that I was talking about in the beginning of like, it's basically January, like phone it in, I'm done. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm just like really tired at this point. Um, and really wanting to take a, a break but like a a real actual break and because oftentimes we take a break so that we can do other things but I don't even want to do other things
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah or we take a break and then you know there's all that shitty negative self-talk about being lazy and like mm-hmm. you know because there's just such a like I mean, I think one thing that I learned from this pandemic was like getting off of that hamster wheel of like, grind, grind until you die, rise and grind, <laughs> like, you know, like just feeling like, what the fuck is that? Like, you know, um, I'm ambitious and I know where I want to go. But this, this idea of like, just that being the sole pursuit of my life, it just doesn't make sense. Um, So what does that look like? What is, what does rest like real rest? Not like, you know, I'm like you said, going to take a break to go some, to do something else or take a break and then, you know, feel like shit because I'm taking a nap or spent the day in bed. Like, you know, what is that? What is real rest look like for you?
1: Uh, For me specifically, it looks like having a conversation with my manager um, and saying like, Hey, what if I didn't do anything in January and her being like, that's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and me being like, oh, okay. And so now I'm kind of looking at my January, you know, at the beginning of 2021 and being like, okay, I'm not going to. Um, Cause for me, the hamster wheel is making sponsored videos um, right. and like having videos be sponsored and it's a contract and you send, talk to the client, blah, blah, blah And it's this whole mm-hmm. thing. And then it starts over the next month. Um, and so want to take a break from that and just like not making things because I have a contract, but making things because I would like to make things at that particular time.
0: And what is, what is that process for you? Um, you know, I, I think there is a business obviously to, um, f- for creating content, um, because, because it's a business, it's a livelihood, but then how do you shift gears and give yourself the opportunity to kind of dream up ideas? And, you know, cause that it's hard. S- sometimes that process could be like, you know, a day or an hour or a moment, right? The Mm -hmm. idea comes, but then oftentimes it's like, it's some, it's like, you need that time for that, for nothing yeah, for something to, come, you know? So how do you, what, you know, how do you, how do you make that shift and give yourself space to, to enter a more kind of creative, uh, I guess even the sponsored content is creative, but, but you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's very easy easy for me to make that shift because I don't actually like working. (laughs) Those people who are like, uh, do the job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I can't relate. (laughs) It's still work. Um, So it's very easy for for me to be like, I'm going to not, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to, because really what it is, is like, living life especially if you're a storyteller or if you're even a comedian you have to draw from life experiences so if you're not making any new life experiences you have nothing to say anymore Mm. um so that's why you see like musicians just like running away and like they're on it rihanna was on like a yacht for four years (laughs) (laughs) you know Frank Ocean, we don't know where he went. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's just for me that looks like living life as if I don't have a job. <laughs> it's saving my money right. and living life like you don't have a job, and just creating, getting those experiences, learning things for the sake of learning things. Um, mm. Whether it's taking classes or um, making art that no one will see or, um, you know, cooking, spending time with family, things like that. Those are the things that get my creative juices flowing again um, or even just help me feel rested enough to like sit down and think quote unquote productively.
0: Yeah. And do you have a, a kind of dream project in mind
1: I would love to uh write a 30-minute comedy for television or streaming. Wow. So yeah. Coming to a TV near you, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I I there's there's so many um characters that I feel like I, I see little like uh, appearances of so many characters and, and mm-hmm. the performance of s- some of the things that you do, even within one video, mm-hmm. that it would just it 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 just would be great to kind of expand on on those 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 folks because um, I've I found that like there are people out there that are trying to do that where it feels like they're taking like the the hip word of the day and mm-hmm. and. <laughs> Shoving it in every fucking sentence. <laughs> and I'm like, look, it's relatable, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and that obviously that's like something that you can like smell a mile away. But but there is a, a kind of like genuineness about uh, the the work that you do that I think it would just be so perfect for TV or streaming or whatever, you know. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and also um, you know you can act so. And you're funny, so that's thank you. That's like, yeah. Um, are there are there people or career uh, careers out there that um, you'd love to mirror, or or folks that you really draw a lot of inspiration from?
1: Um, I made a video about this a couple weeks days ago, um, but I really admire Donald Glover minus the sadness. <laughs> Mm, yes. um, I would like to maintain my happiness But you know, life is cyclical, so who knows um, But I really in- enjoy his work And that he kind of does whatever And um, he can experiment with different art forms I really am- admire that I don't know if I want his exact career But I admire just the act of like I want to make music today I want to act I want to write something, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah when I want to do stand-up comedy and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there is um y- you know, he's he's someone that seems really, really free to me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think cause he's always just kind of following uh his own creative impulse. I mean, from writing on 30 rock and then walking away from that mm-hmm. to do yes. you know, his own thing. It just seems like everyone else is probably saying like, are you insane? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and to see like, yeah, the trajectory of his career and, and then how good, I mean, we've been inundated with really good television, but Atlanta was so good, you know, so good. There were like the moments of like surrealism and, Mm -hmm. and, funniness and the depth and and breaking um new actors you know that now are like staples Uh, yeah just so insanely talented um yeah and and he's such a good person to have as an inspiration like even with his music videos and you know like after Mm -hmm. somebody creates some really beautiful artwork and then suddenly there's a syllabus like this is the reference of the thing Mm -hmm. that you know um it, it you know the, the kind of artists um that make you i've i've been going th- like i've been going deep into like love lovecraft country and Ooh. just like how amazing this series is have you been watching it have you watched it
1: i stopped at like episode 4 so that i would wait for all the episodes to come out cuz i want to binge okay. it
0: <laughs> good good i mean i just I'm so impressed because like, you know, it's just a black woman's hand is all over it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it's one of, again, it's like uh, another piece of artwork that is just so rich and so full of depth. And, um, and I think, I think, I think it's important when you're, when you're someone that is creating something to have inspirations to draw from because, um, there's just so much that's painful right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious about how you navigate all of the challenges that are going on. I mean, be- between, um, you know, th- racism and white supremacy in the United States and, um, and the madness of elections that start like three years in advance. <laughs> and... <Yeah. laughs> and And this pandemic, I mean and and everything you know um how how do you navigate as a creative person? how do you navigate this challenging time?
1: Uh, I mean, I go to therapy <laughs> uh, yeah, but... ten out of ten would recommend uh, I hate that it's not available like financially accessible to everyone um and I think all black people should have a black therapist that they like. like. Um, So I go to therapy and we talk sometimes about like, uh, when you, when you do creative work, you feel like you are your work. Um, And my therapist has helped me kind of reframe that and say that my work, like to think of myself as a well and my work Mm -hmm. is the water. So, like, even if I give water, the well itself is always there, and I can, like, I'm in control of like how much water I give from the well. Um, mm. And so, yeah, instead of thinking of myself as water, <laughs> and like right. everybody get a piece, you get some water, you get some water. Just right. like, no, be kind of conservative with my uh, water usage, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and kind of separate my work from the source of my work. So
0: that's been mm. really helpful. Yeah, and um having that separation I'm I'm sure is really good when there is maybe criticism or whatever about uh about your work um or or uh if you get some like weird feedback or whatever um yeah seeing yourself as something that is whole and complete outside of the thing that you're doing, I think is really, really good, you know, in terms of having that perspective. Um, Do you see yourself uh, staying in, in Austin forever and ever?
1: Well, forever and ever. No, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I go, but, um, Austin's the only place I've lived as an adult. So now that I'm 30 now, I'm like, well, where else should we go? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure yet. I do love the South. Uh, I know some people don't think Texas is the South. They think it's the Southwest. But <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I do love like this, this region of the country. So I know no matter where I'd end up, I'd always want to. Have a reason to come back, you know? Right. Maybe like have a ranch. Oh, I, I have a ranch.
0: <laughs> yes, 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 ranch. Um, yeah. And have you ever uh, explored the film scene in in Atlanta?
1: I have a little bit through previous jobs. Um but it's so fascinating to talk to people from Atlanta because we think it's you know black Hollywood, pie in the sky, and they're just like nah we struggling over we're <laughs> struggling over uh, here. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like yeah. every every place has their own issues and, and struggles. But I don't know.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I can't believe I'm already at the last question. Wow. Okay. Um, that was fast. Uh, so uh, I always end every conversation the same way. I'm really curious about a lesson that you learned that was so true at some point in your life that you then had to unlearn. What What's something that you've had to kind of yeah, just re-examine and reanalyze in your life and unlearn that lesson?
1: Yeah. So before I would say the lesson of do things yourself uh, kind of got me very far, you know, not mm-hmm. waiting for a co-sign, not waiting for someone to 100% be on board, not waiting for someone's approval. That got me far in maybe like my adolescence, certain twenties and stuff. And mm. now that lesson is, Oh, he need to ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> so w- before it would be like, yeah, I'll do it myself. Like I'm, I don't need to wait for anybody's approval, but now it's like, ah, it's not approval as much as it is uh, assistance. <laughs> so right. now I'm very much trying to lean into asking for help.
0: Hmm. Yeah, there's so much strength and being able to lean on other people, and then it's really lovely to see how people are able to kind of step up. And if I found that, like, I'm very clear about what it is that I want, mm-hmm. and when when you lean on other people or or delegate or kind of take things off of your plate, you can still you can still uh, maintain the vision, you know, because yeah. you're the, you're the holder of that vision. So yeah, it's, that's a great lesson. Yeah. That's a, there's a lot of superheroes out there that are, tr- that are doing too much. You
1: know, <laughs> <laughs> so That's yeah. really
0: good. Well, thank you so much for sharing this time with me. I appreciate you for, for chatting and I feel like I've gotten to know you a little more.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. And best of luck. I just, I I feel like all of the things that you are dreaming about are so, so, so going to happen for you because of, yeah, just, just because of like, I don't know, there's just such a clarity of, of your particular point of view that I think is so needed and it's so honest and so, so funny um, and plus Beyonce knows you, so it's it's gotta happen. You know, you know?
1: <laughs> at least some, at least in Ivy Park. At least some Ivy Park. <laughs> Can you get a box of the <laughs> Ivy Park? You know, the part two, you know, like
0: yes, I see that. I see that. <laughs>